Hello. Hi, guys. Um, I absolutely love this setting. Um, Sunday night church is such a cool thing because not only are God's people so hungry for the word that they come Sunday mornings, but they come again at night. Um, so this is, this is awesome. This is great to be a part of. Um, and so as we have worshiped the Lord through the, the singing of song, let us worship him now through the reading and the teaching of his word. Uh, and before that, I need grace. I need to be interceded for. Uh, so let's seek the Lord's face through prayer. Heavenly Father, you are creator, you are sustainer, you are Lord of all. Father, creation screams your existence. All who walk the earth know that you are Lord. Uh, but Lord, now we get to, a chance to open your word, get to see your special revelation, your word to the church now. Uh, let it speak, strike a straight blow with a crooked stick tonight, Lord, and let us worship you in spirit and in truth. Uh, give us eyes to see, ears to hear, and Lord, let the meditations of our heart and the words of our mouth be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. All right, so we're going to be in Psalm 19, uh, Psalm 19, um, and I imagine a huge majority of you guys have heard teachings through Psalm 19, that this is, this is familiar territory, and my goal is not to reinvent the wheel my goal is not to do anything new. Uh, my goal is simply to teach the gospel through our text tonight. And uh, if your baby cries, that is absolutely okay, because this is Grace Church Monterey Bay. And if a baby is not crying in the background, it is not church. Uh, so it is absolutely okay. Uh, so let's open the word now. Psalm 19. Um, the law of the Lord is perfect. To the choir master, a psalm of David. The heavens declare the glory of God, and the sky above proclaims his handiwork. Day to day pours out speech, and night to night reveals knowledge. There is no speech, nor are there words whose voice is not heard. Their voice goes out through all the earth, and their words to the end of the world. In them he has set a tent for the sun, which comes out like a bridegroom leaving his chamber, and like a strong man runs its course with joy. Its rising is from the end of the heavens and its circuit to the end of them, and there is nothing hidden from its heat. The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The rules of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, even much fine gold, sweeter also than the honey and drippings of the honeycomb. Moreover, by them is your servant warned, and in keeping them there is great reward. Who can discern his heirs? Declare me innocent from hidden faults. Keep back your servant also from presumptuous sin. Let them not have dominion over me. Then I shall be blameless and innocent of great transgression. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. All right, so tonight, as we look at Psalm 19, we're looking at a psalm of revelation. It is God's revelation, obviously, but we're looking at two different types of revelation. Uh, in the first six verses, the psalmist handles God's general revelation, and that is how God proclaims his handiwork, or as the psalmist says, the glory of the, God, uh, the heavens declare the glory of God, and the sky above proclaims his handiwork. 
uh, we see God's general revelation to all, that God has revealed to his creation by his creation. He reveals himself to all. Anybody who claims to be an atheist is only fooling themselves. Everybody knows that there is a God, and God's word and God's world proclaims it. So, and after after last week, I was so excited. Getting to watch baptisms, it's hard not to get excited when you're watching baptisms. Um, and my wife can attest, I would not stop talking about it the whole drive home. I was so pumped to see those three young men pronounce that they are the Lord's in front of everyone and get to be buried in baptism with them and raised with Christ from the dead as they did. And so as I was getting so fired up uh, watching them, Dom sends out a text and asks, would anybody like to volunteer to teach? Uh, and there was an opportunity next week. He sends the teaching on Sunday. It's been seven days. And I kind of acted a little impulsively and accepted immediately. Um, you know how Mark uses the word immediately a ton and often to describe uh, the apostles like we see with uh, Peter and Andrew. I acted immediately. Just as he says, come and follow me, they leave their nets and they follow immediately. And I say that word so many times to kind of emphasize the point of my haste. Uh, and as I accepted, I realized uh, the gravity of what I accepted. <laughs> I realized, just as probably Simon and Andrew did, right, as he had called them, oh, I'm in over my head. Oh, I'm inadequate and I'm unqualified to do this. But here we are, opening God's word, which makes wise the simple. And so I have one simple question to ask and to answer, hopefully, tonight. And that is, do we need God's word? Do this, does this ancient book, this thousands of years old manuscripts, does it have any bearing on life today? Because Andy Stanley didn't think so. Uh, I don't know if you guys saw, but Andy Stanley, big pastor, uh, tweeted out that the Christian faith does not rise and fall on the accuracy of 66 ancient documents. Amen. Sylvia. <laughs> Sir Sylvia. So here we see, we're going to go over verses 1 through 6, God's general revelation. Then 7 through 14, we're going to go over God's special revelation. So before I get too far ahead of myself, let's look down at verse 2 and 3. Day to day pours out speech, and night to night reveals knowledge. There is no speech, nor are there words whose voice is not heard. This psalm starts simply with praise and ascribing glory and showing that God's Creation screams his existence, but it's not just that. We see that it's constant. Verse 2, right? Day to day pours out speech. Night to night reveals knowledge. This is constant. It's daily. It's nightly. There's no one who misses this. But also, verse 4, their voices go throughout all the earth, and their words to the end of the world. In them he has sent a tent for the sun. So it's not only constant, it's not only consistent, but it's far-reaching. It reaches to the ends of the earth. No one is without excuse. Everyone knows that there is a God. And then if we look at verse 4 through 6, it's all-encompassing. There is nowhere his general revelation doesn't reach. And it is just like the sun on a bright day. Nothing 
is hidden from it. But with all this general revelation, with God's creation screaming his existence, why do we need God's special revelation? And this is where I want to spend a brunt and the meat of our time, and that's going to be in verses 7 through 10. Why, why does the Christian faith stand and fall by these 66 ancient documents? And I think verse 7 gives us the very, very simple answer. Verse 7, the law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. God's word brings dead people to life. God reaches down, takes that heart of stone, and gives a heart of flesh through his word. And we saw that one continuous note through all three of the baptisms. All three of them pointed and said, they heard the preaching of God's word, and they were transformed. They were changed. And so as I was sitting and thinking about this sermon and racking my brain through verses 1 through 6 because I couldn't make sense of why is God's general revelation so important? Why is this going out? And I realized that question is to me or is important to me because I have God's special revelation. God's word has been revealed to me. God has opened my eyes to see the truth of his word. He's put life in my lungs where once I was dead. So I couldn't figure out too well why God's general revelation was so important because we had God's special revelation. And just as man is completely guilty of knowing that there is a God, by God's general revelation, they're even more guilty when special revelation is in, enters in. As we see with God's people with Israel, constantly getting the words of the Lord from the prophets, constantly falling into disobedience right after, it brought in more judgment. Why? Because it brings to life those who are dead. And to forget it, to leave it by the wayside, to not heed the call, to not listen, is to say, I'd rather be dead. I choose death over life. We see here also that not only does it bring to life those who are dead, but it makes wise the simple. What is a testimony? The testimony is just a written or spoken statement, right? But God's testimony, God's spoken statement, what does it do? It makes wise the simple. That is the only reason I can stand in front of you guys. I, I've never really been confused with somebody of much wisdom. Uh, that's never been something that's happened to me. But the, in no context would it make sense to have someone who, to put lightly, uh, barely graduated high school, um, doesn't have a college degree, didn't go to seminary, didn't go to Bible college, any of those things. In no other context would it make sense to have me teaching in front of you guys now. Other than this, that God's testimony is so sure that it can take the simple and make them wise. It can take the dead and bring them back to life. Even more so, the precepts of the Lord are right. They rejoice the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure and is enlightening to the eyes. So what impact could 66 ancient manuscripts have on the church today, have on people today? It could bring you to life. It could make you wise. It can rejoice your heart. 
and it can enlighten your eyes. How often do we need this? How often do I forsake the fountains of living water, God's word, when I'm in need? When it's been a long day or when I've been arguing or fighting and constantly battling at work, whatever it may be, and then I go home, what is the first thing I seek? What is the first drink I desire? It's not God's word. I often don't return back to this fountain of living waters. And why? Because this world likes to make us forget. How often do we need these memory or these, these reminders? And so as I was reading that tweet by Andy Stanley and watched a whole YouTube video about it, about 15 minutes long with Bodie Bauckham, it was awesome. But as I was reading those, that tweet and then thinking on those baptisms, there was one thing and one thing only I couldn't stop thinking about, and it was that we need to stand on God's word. We need to know God's word, especially those who call themselves Christians, believer. Believer, we need God's word now more than ever. So um, I couldn't help but get into this. And then I, I was praying and reading through and needing guidance. And it dawned on me that just as Isaiah says, for as the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return there, but water the earth, Make it bring forth and sprout, giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater. So shall my word be that goes out from my mouth, and it shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose, and shall succeed in the thing for which I sent. I took confidence in that. That as someone who is simple, I can get up here and proclaim God's word, and it will work. It will do its work. Not because I'm very adequate or qualified. Not because we're very adequate or qualified. But because God makes qualified the unqualified. If I said that right. <laughs> but as we look here, not only does it enlighten the eyes, not only is it sure, not only does it rejoice the heart, but what does it produce? It produces the fear of the Lord, if you look at verse 9, the fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The rules of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. I said it earlier, but it's not Grace Church of Monterey Bay without a child crying, and that's because God has been faithful to us in rearing children. Our, our church has been blessed abundantly. I get to serve in the children's ministry. Trust me, I know how many there are. <laughs> we have a lot of kids here, and it's beautiful. But one thing that struck me is as we were sitting down listening to Mark Dever talk uh, two weeks ago, I think it was, he was talking about how it was one of the things we were doing was a quick way to make our church liberal in two generations, and in three generations, not have a church at all. And I was thinking, what will provide for the next generation in this church? And what is it? It's simply God's word. We need to continue to hand these things down to faithful men to preach. And we get to see this through the summon with the Psalms. I don't know who's teaching next, but I'm more excited for that one than this one. And I know, I know that the Lord will continue to do a great work as long as we continue to stand on God's word. And we know 
that it divides. It divides bone and marrow. It divides us from this world. It even divides amongst the church. We have more denominations than I have fingers and toes. But we know one thing, that God's word enlightens the eyes. It revives the soul. It makes us wise. It rejoices our hearts. So that leads me to a question and actually a barrage of questions. Where do you go when you need wisdom? Or when your heart is troubled? Or when you feel like you can't go on? Believer, do you return to the fountain of living waters that has given you life, that has enlightened your eyes, and that has made you wise? Or do you trade in the fountain of living waters for broken cisterns that cannot satisfy? As those who have tasted and seen that the Lord is good, do we then go and trade him out for the pleasures of this world? Do we trust in the fear of the Lord that endures forever? Do we trust in his rules that are true and righteous? Do we desire God's word more than wealth? As we see here in verse 10, more to be desired are they than gold, even much fine gold. That hit me in the chest because I'll check my stocks app more than I read the Bible each day. Make sure my investments are doing good. That's a big thing. Rather than return to the fountains of living water. But they're sweeter also than the honey and drippings of the honeycomb. They're more to be desired than any prime rib with some good sauerkraut on the side and mashed potatoes. It's more satisfying than a feast that we have prepared for us now. And brothers and sisters, I have this question. Who is the one that makes us righteous? And how does he make us righteous? Because I know I was at a private Christian school for three years and I heard the gospel once. Bible was opened in the Bible teaching class. We used to berate our Bible teacher constantly with thousands of questions that meant nothing. But when I first heard the gospel, finally, after being at churches, after being at Christian schools, it was like cold water to the back. It shocked me and woke me up. It brought life into my bones. It changed me from a, children of, a child of wrath into a child of God. It took me from the kingdom of darkness and brought me into the kingdom of heaven. And it was not because I was someone of high repute or high esteem. It was because it was very much the opposite. I was looking at myself as savior. I was looking at myself as wise, as myself as righteous, thinking I had it figured out. And I still think I have figured out. <laughs> still need to continue to go to God's word. But as we can see here, not only is God's word making us wise, not only is it righteous and true altogether, but it protects us. What was the first thing Jesus did in the desert when battling Satan? Where did he return? Where was his foundation? It was in God's word. Even when Satan tried to twist it, twist God's word, change God's word, manipulate God's word, Jesus returned to the fount of living water and battled Satan with God's word. So where do we go in the midst of temptation? Who do we seek in the midst of struggling with sin? Do we, verse 12, who can discern his heirs, declare me innocent, innocent from hidden faults? Keep back your servant also for presumptuous sins. Are you battling sin? Are you in danger of backsliding? Because we have the very thing that combats that right here. 
Sorry, I've always wanted to shake my Bible from a pew. Got my chance. But where do we go? Who do we trust? Because God is the one that keeps us from presumptuous sins. God is the one who has redeemed us. Most surely he will keep us. If we couldn't save ourselves, we definitely can't keep ourselves. And as Vody Bauckham says, if you can't say amen, you got to say ouch. We definitely can't save ourselves. We absolutely cannot keep ourselves. So who will keep us? And how will we be kept? Christ will keep us. And it is by his word that he will keep us. End of verse 13. Then I shall be blameless and innocent of great transgression. Brothers and sisters, our rock and our redeemer is revealed to us through God's word. I'll finish the end of Andy Standy's quote. He said that the church, no, the Christian faith doesn't rise or fall based on 66 ancient documents. He said it rises and falls on the person of Jesus Christ. But the question is, how do you know the person of Jesus Christ without God's word? How can you know that there is a redeemer out there who says, come to me all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest? How can we know that there is one way of salvation, and that is through Christ alone, by faith alone, other than by God's word? More so now than ever do we need God's word. And just like the church generations before us, we must provide for the church in the next generation. We must continue to preach the gospel. We must continue to preach God's word. We must continue on the fountain or in the foundation that is firm. And let me end with this before our food gets cold and cornhole stops calling my name. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 2. Paul, to his disciple, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience in teaching. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching. But having itchy ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. As for you, always be sober-minded, endure suffering, do the work of an evangelist, and fulfill your ministry. I'm not saying that all of us are called to be teachers or aspire towards eldership or anything like that, but all of us teach. Every mom in their room nodded their head. All of us teach. All of us show what we value. And as those who have said they have tasted and seen that the Lord is good, let us never forsake his word. Let's pray. Lord, you have given us your word as a means of grace, this special revelation to your church, the wisdom that you provide, the life that you provide, and the righteousness that you provide is just that. It is by you alone. And Lord, just as the rain falls and the, 
the wind comes and everything that goes, your word will go forth and will accomplish what you have set forth for it to accomplish. So let us be men and women of the word, because who do you esteem? It is he who is humble and contrite in spirit and trembles at your word. And Father, we desire to hear those faithful words on our last day. Well done, good and faithful servant. So Lord, let us continue to look to you where you have revealed yourself through your very written and inerrant word. And it's in your name we pray. Amen.